Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast, brought to you by the team behind BikeRadar.com, Cycling Plus and MBUK magazines. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe. And if you can do so, leave us a rating on your podcast provider of choice. It really helps us reach other cyclists like you. Welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast. I'm Rob Weaver, Technical Editor-in-Chief. Today, I'm joined by technical writer Luke Marshall to discuss the six things he's learned while testing some of the latest downhill bikes. But first, Luke, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm really well, thanks, Rob. Yeah, drying out slowly from every wet ride I go on lately, but uh, but all good. Nice. And have you been testing anything exciting lately? Um, so I've just been bike-wise on the Merida 160 FR600. It's kind of the, they take the Enduro 160 platform and have uh, boosted the travel at the front to like a 180mm fork, fitted a coil shock and turned it into a bit more of a, a dedicated bike park bike. So I've been spending a bit of time on that lately, which has been, uh, yeah, good fun. Interesting bike. Nice. Happy days. Slopping around in the mud. Sliding around in the mud. Trying to, yeah, find some more bike parky, gravelly trails. So uh, puddles, but not too much mud. <laughs> nice happy days how about yourself oh, good stuff how about me well uh i currently have a bad back because i'm getting old oh, apparently dear. yeah it sucks but um yeah yeah my, uh, i've got a herniated disc in my lower back so i am currently taking it really easy well you're which is just... super boring yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that's still the best time of year for it so i'll give you that at least you're uh, avoiding the the bog that is a, a British winter. Yeah, uh, I mean, I would rather be out there, but yeah, uh, it's a fair point. It's better than missing out on the summer. Maybe, maybe. Maybe. Um, right, before we get stuck into all the details here, uh, we probably need to just say that if any of you guys out there listening have an opinion on downhill bikes or want to get in touch about anything else, make sure you please email us at podcast at com. We're always keen to hear from listeners, uh, whatever it might be, good or bad. So please get in touch. Right then, Luke, let's get stuck into it. What downhill bikes have you actually tested recently? 
Uh, well, this summer, I got to go out to Morzine for a couple of weeks. Um, Hard times. Yeah, Hard difficult, times. difficult test. I thought if we're going to test downhill bikes, we might as well try and do it properly. So um, so I went out Good. to the sunny slopes of Morzine, and I took with me the Nuke-Proof Descent Carbon 297RS, so the, the latest downhill bike from Nuke-Proof, yep. the Propane Rage 3 CF Mix High End. Um, Catchy name. Yeah, yeah. So that's the top spec um, yeah, downhill bike from Propane. And the new giant Glory Advanced. At least that's a bit easier to say. Yeah, that one yeah, that rolls off the tongue a bit easier. So yeah, so those are three, <laughs> those are the three bikes I had out in France with me, and uh, I tested them head to head over a couple of weeks. Yeah, rattling around uh, the Porte de Soleil. Nice, and all bikes that we can see racing on a World Cup stage, right? Yep. So all these bikes are yeah, they're really fortunate. Got all the um, the top spec models, and these frames are all being ridden currently in well this last year this year's 2023 world cup downhill season so i know it feels like we're already we've already sort of into the new year already but we're getting a bit ahead of ourselves i think yeah not sure when this exactly goes out but uh let's say 2023's bikes yeah (laughs) (laughs) nice okay that's good um let's get stuck into uh, i suppose the first thing then your first point go for it it doesn't matter how how good a rider you think you are or I thought I was and how fast I try and ride the bikes they are so capable that they can do so much more than I could ever do with them and I should probably just add in quickly that you are an incredibly talented rider that that can ride very very fast down a hill with some some very impressive world cup racing results behind you as well so that sounds like um well for the mere mortals out there that sounds like they're going to get a bike that they'll never be able to ride to its potential is that not the case yeah i think that's the case like the ceiling for speed. <laughs> yeah sorry to say oh, like, well. sorry it's, guys <laughs> it's complete ego crushing even to myself like i mean i'm a decent rider i'm, I'm obviously not the world's best rider but um, these bikes have been designed and built for the world's fastest races and uh, and that's not me unfortunately as capable as i am that that isn't me so as ego crushing as it is like whatever as mere mortals can do on the bikes, the bike is capable of so much more. And they're so dangerously fast. Like the first laps I did, I was like, God, you should have to have a license to have a downhill bike. <laughs> you can go terrifyingly fast on them incredibly easily. Like, So they're not hard to ride. So despite the fact that you're not sort of, it's not like when you hear about, um, I, I don't know, people driving in an F1 car and they, they can barely roll out the, paddock in it it's so it's it's not sort of such a jump from say like an enduro bike you can still ride it it isn't isn't that hard right oh yeah no like the uh they're surprisingly agile on the trails especially when you get them to speed on the right trails um they're not they're not difficult to get on a ride and anyone could get on a ride a downhill bike and they would be fine you know you're not going to understeer off into the bushes on the first corner or flip yourself over to the handlebars well (laughs) (laughs) some of us might do but but no no they're not like uh that analogy of a formula one car that's you know close to impossible to drive unless you're uh been trained to do it if you know i mean you can jump on a downhill bike and rattle down the trail and have a hilarious time and go frighteningly fast incredibly easily okay but so yeah but they're um, really good they are so impressive that's uh and uh if you're going to buy a downhill bike i guess the point is isn't trying don't try and find the fastest one like it's mm-hmm. uh 
obsolete point. They're all so fast. But in testing, there was, I found some I could ride at my ceiling for speed more easily than others. Okay. So um, there were some that were just more comfortable to to ride quicker. They were a bit more forgiving, a bit more compliant, a bit easier to ride. And sometimes, you know, other ones you can ride at the maximum speed, but you have to have a, a bit more of a break every now and again for whether that's a, a spectrals on the bike or the way the suspension is, for example. Okay. Um, and in terms of capability, you're saying obviously that they are ridiculously good now it's hard to ride them as fast as they could potentially go do you think that's always been the case or do you think things have really moved on in the last sort of 10-15 years i think it's probably always been the case but i think definitely with development over the last 15 years um bikes have, have have gotten better and faster i think the the bikes that we were racing when we had our our heyday weaves back in the in the noughties <laughs> well um, <laughs> we, we couldn't like reach the max speed limit of those bikes i think it would be easier to get to than the bikes that are out there now so yeah gotcha like 29 inch front wheels 27.5 rear wheels that mullet setup just the increase in in wheelbase length the increase in like head angle slackness Mm-hmm. change their lengths just that the size of the bikes better the technology how the suspension works is is arguably gotten better I and mean, it's been re- sorry i'm just gonna have to interrupt i can't believe you think i've peaked already i was kind of working up i watched to- you ride the other day i thought actually that might be some of your best riding we were at bike park <laughs> wales and you were chasing alex evans down the hill and uh, i was like bloody i gotta work hard to keep up with these two like maybe i've peaked <laughs> <laughs> eBay Motors is here for the ride. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. It's a big comebacks on the cards. We gotta go. Yeah, this is pack, it. Pack the van. Yeah, you're you're, <laughs> you're still orange two two twos in the garage downstairs. I'm sure. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, carry on. Yeah. We're 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 in a good place with bikes right now. Then. I, yeah, incredible place. Like uh, the the performance of these bikes is just unworldly. Now, otherworldly, I should say. So I guess this first point kind of ties into your next point, right? Yeah, like I've always wondered, and uh, especially in coming from racing, about like what is stopping riders who are in the top 20 breaking into the top five? Like there's consistently guys that are going to podium. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, everyone says the depth of talent in the downhill field is so strong, you know, it could be any one of 20 riders that would win a race, and that's fair enough. But, you know, you still got your Louis Brunis, your Loris Vergiers, yeah now Jackson Goldstone they're, they're consistently fighting for podiums and I wasn't like oh, what is it about those riders is it is it their strength and fitness you know is it the equipment they're on is it their natural talent on the bike or is it like just to have a, a higher capacity for speed and like riding these bikes and I can get on each one of these test bikes and ride it to my maximum limit easily if you know what I mean there I don't mm-hmm. think there's a big enough difference in equipment and you know that would means one rider is going to consistently 
win a race because of their bike. I don't think it's like Formula One and Red Bull, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, there's maybe one or two teams in Formula One that dominate because the equipment is just better, regardless of the driver. I'd, I'd like, I think it's a more level fee, level playing field when it comes to biking. Um, and I think probably the same with with fitness, like strength and fitness for the riders. You know, I think Jackson Goldstone has proved this year you don't have to be Amory Pirion or Luke Bruni in strength to to win a World Cup. If you know, I mean, he's he's mm. probably not the strongest rider, certainly not in absolute numbers, and probably not in relative numbers either. If you know what I mean, but he still is able to ride that bike down the hill very fast. So I, I do think, and I was riding these bikes, that it was my brain. I got to a certain speed and I could ride that speed repeatedly and comfortably, but it was super hard to push past this. And I think that comes with like skill and practice. I don't think it's impossible to. You can treat that like riders such as um, Benoit Coulange who have been, you know, plugging away for years and years on the World Cup circuit. have got quicker and better each year. I think you can push up your ceiling for speed, but I think it's certainly the brain that stopped me riding faster than my ability or the bike, if you know what I mean. And so I think those those top World Cup racers do have just something different with their how comfortable they are at a certain speed, if you know what I mean, or how willing they are to to find that. And uh, it was interesting to see. Like it's, uh, it was, yeah, it was uh, something I've thought about before. Like, oh, what's what is my ceiling for speed? Is this it? Will I ever get faster? Can I get faster? And uh, my brain says, probably no, no, look, you're not going faster. This is what we're comfortable doing now. And you're, you're not <laughs> yeah, having to back it off. So that's, that's really interesting. I guess it's been, it's been pretty cool watching the downhill racing this year and seeing the fact that there are different winners at almost every round, but, uh, you know, Jackson Goldson being the exception where he's won two on mm. different bikes as well. So, as a punter, then it's amazing that you can go out, you can buy a bike off the shelf, and it isn't necessarily going to be the bike that's holding you back. It's it's literally going to be yourself. Yeah, I think so. With um with the bikes of this caliber, um, as they say, alluding to the first point, there's they're they're far superior than what ninety nine percent of us could ever use them for. If you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So choose choose a bike which is in your budget, which you like the colour of, if you've got something that you identify with the brand with, and uh, chances are you're going to get a phenomenal downhill bike if you're interested in that. And it's, uh, and it's going to be the rider that pulls on the brakes before the bike will want to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've all been there, right? <laughs> so, um, yeah. Okay, let's, um, let's move on to your next point, which is a bit more, uh, I suppose, spec related, right? Yeah. Yeah, so um, I mean, this, uh, I did notice that I had three bikes, the Nuke Proof, the Propane, and the Giant, and they all had different tyres. Um, and I think this is probably in the first group test I've had for bikes that I've had this situation arise. And it was quite interesting to like ride back-to-back. Um, it's almost you know, you're testing the bikes, but you're actually testing like, the different components. They all had different brakes as well, which was, was a good point, and I'll come to that later, mm-hmm. but... There are some tyres out there that feel like they give you free speed. Or okay. the other way of looking at it is there's some tyres out there that are slow rolling. So like fair play to Max. So what do you mean by so what do you mean by free speed, just to clear it up in case anyone is unsure? Um, I think their rolling resistance is less for as good or equal grip on the trail. Okay. If you know what I mean. So they, they just roll faster. Like when you just drop into the trail 
and not that you're like pushing a race pace or like trying to ride as fast as you can, but you're dropping the trail down a flow trail through the berms, through the jumps or whatever. And you can feel some tires just roll quicker. They hold speed better. They just, and, uh, it was quite interesting. The, the downhill tires, there was quite a difference between the, uh, between the three brands. So this is a fact well, that, the, oh, sorry, carry on. I was going to say, I think this is maybe a fact it might not be a fact. So if any of the boat raiders listeners out there that know the answer to this, but I'm not sure, or well, I was speaking to someone the other month and uh, talking about the Michelin tires. I don't think a Michelin tire has ever won a downhill World Cup. I don't know if that's changed since uh, I had that conversation a while ago. Uh, do you mean in recent years? In recent years, yeah. Yeah, since they yeah. relaunched their new range of downhill tires in the last few years. I'm not sure... That tyre's ever won an actual World Cup. But it'd be interesting to... Could it have been on... Oh, i got to think back. What would have... What would the Chain Reaction guys been on when they were on maybe Intense and then followed by when the first... What would it have been? The Pulse? The Nukeproof Pulse, maybe, when they switched over to that? When Hill was still racing downhill. And didn't he get... Didn't he podium at Meribel? Or was that... I think that must have been before the new latest Michelins, wasn't it? Who knows? Possibly, I'm not sure. But yeah, but that's the that's the last one. That uh, yeah, maybe I'm clutching at straws a little bit there. That's the last ones I can think of that might have been. But yeah, I think yeah, last few years definitely yeah. there isn't. And fair play, like, those Michelin tires are incredibly grippy. Um, and when it's on steep training, it doesn't matter. But like you could you can notice it like when you're rolling into uh, around the trails in Morsey and through the bike park or whatever before you get to the the nice steep gnarly stuff. It's uh, they are they are slow rolling and they drag so much. The, what um, bikes? What bike was that? On? So this came on the Nuke Proof, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was a respect on the Nuke Proof. The um, the Giant came with Maxis downhill tires, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think they were the like had the least rolling resistance. You know, okay. when you drop into third trail, you definitely you feel like well, okay, this is that these tires. They roll, and so if you're a racer out there, then there's definitely, I think, something to look into. I think there is, like, say, some free speed out there. Certainly on, I mean, not everyone can buy tire for specific courses, but if it's if it's not such just 100% steep downhill, if you know what I mean, then mm-hmm. then there is a, a different. And the Schwalbe had the Schwalbe Magic Mary in their downhill version on the propane, and yeah. they're somewhere a bit in the middle. So, but I must say, when like the conditions I had ranged um, from wet to dry, and uh, and I was most comfortable though though on the Michelin and the Magic Marys when things got greasy, the Asagai okay. Maxis on the front, it why it was it was okay in the softer conditions, it it didn't fill me as, with as much confidence as as the other two that definitely have uh, a more. Oh, I'm not going to call it a spike profile, but they're kind of taller blocks, if you know what I mean, taller, more separated yeah. blocks. So, so the Schwalbe sort of sits in the middle. So the Schwalbe sits think? in the middle, yeah. It's a bit of a best of both worlds. Um, yeah, great all-rounder. Incredible, like the Magic Mary. I've said it before on this podcast, probably my favourite front tyre. So I think incredible yes. all-rounder. But, um, but yeah, it was really interesting, you know, that uh, I didn't expect the, um, there to be so much difference between the, uh, the three different tyres as there was. Okay. That's cool. That's an interesting point. I think. Uh, I guess um, so much is said about looking for grip and confidence with grip. And uh, when it comes to downhill, maybe 
it, role and resistance doesn't come up quite as much or, or maybe as much as it used to. I remember on the, when there were, you know, um, longer, faster tracks where people were trying to pedal quite a lot, like South Africa and Canberra and stuff, people would run like a semi-slick rear tire and stuff like that. But we haven't seen tracks like that for a long, long time. So I suppose the whole role and resistance thing hasn't maybe been in the mainstream sort of conversations a whole lot. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I don't think it's a, um, it's the biggest topic amongst uh, maybe outside the teams themselves who are doing whatever testing they can, if you know what I mean. But I guess to the people watching and the the fans and that, it's not a, a topic that comes up very often. So it's. But you think there's some gains to be had there? If I people think so. choose the right bike and the right tyres, they could be onto a winner. I think, yeah, don't worry about the bike. The bike's going to be amazing anyway. Yeah. <laughs> get the right tyres. But get the right tyres. I think it's, uh, yeah, for the riding you do. And like I say, there's, considering the Maxes roll quicker, they don't give up a lot of, like, um, there's no much performance loss in terms of all that traction, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Maybe they're gotcha. not as versatile all around. They're suited to that combination I had on there. The DHR2 on the rear and the Asuka on the front is suited to more dry conditions or intermediates but um but yeah they're uh they're in terms of downhill tires they seem to be the best role in that i tried so they're still fast and confident yeah nice yeah so well, should give a shout out to of, um oh sorry yeah i have to give a shout out to sam hill that won his ews races on those michelin tires <laughs> it was even more impressed after i was riding them for a while on downhill bikes <laughs> Well done, Samuel. Yeah. He's really good, it turns out. Yeah. Turns out really good. Um, well, I suppose the next one is sort of linked in, in terms of um confidence at least. Um, so do you want to talk us through your uh your next finding? Yes, I guess this kind of carries on a little bit from the um how good these bikes are that I found though that the bike I or the bikes I had the most confidence in was mm. the bikes that I thought had the most powerful brakes. Okay. Compared, like, to how the rear suspension or the the shock performs, anything like that, that's they all perform so well at the level I ride them at that it wasn't a hindrance really. I could I could ride to my my ability, but the bikes I felt most comfortable on um, were the were the two bikes that had really impressive brakes. So the Propane with its Magura MT sevens. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a really impressive break. And then the the classic Saints that came on the giant Glory Advanced. So those two brakes were shown. The, this is a bit of an odd one because the Newt Proof has the SRAM code R's. And I know there's some bikes I've been on and the, like the SRAM code brake has been incredible. And uh, for a mm-hmm. while I was quite happy to, to dis on SRAM brakes. So they weren't that great. And then I had a couple of pairs that were just brilliant. Mm-hmm. really good and uh but the pair that came on on this bike just couldn't match the power as the other two and on prolonged steep descents i like after a while like, you just get slightly more fatigued and you're just slightly less trusting of the bike if you know what i mean um yeah. and that but that's not down to the fault of the the bike or the frame or the suspension and like that it's, it's just the, the the brakes aren't as good and you don't feel as confident riding as fast so I think like brakes are super important to to your trust in the bike and the confidence that you're happy to carry carry through. So, I mean, you could 
These had the centerline rotors on them, and you could upgrade to the SRAM HS2 rotor. I think that would make a difference in power as well. What, um, sorry, can I just jump in at what size rotors were they across? The um, so they had downhill spec rotors that showed 220 mil at the front and 203 yeah. or 200 at the rear, depending on the brand. Okay. Yeah, so they all had equivalent rotors in size. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, the, the Magura brakes, <coughs> very powerful, very consistent, a bit more modulation, or I'm not going to call it a sponge lever feel, but not quite a, uh, such a strong bike point as the Shimano. Um, but both those have impressive power, and those are the, those that I would feel most confident, confident on, on the like, steeper, longer trails. So it's uh, okay. definitely, they get your tires and get your brakes sorted. Um, in terms of the, the frame like that the braking gave me more confidence than I than any of the differences within the frames if you know what I mean took away so yeah um can I ask you just on on I suppose your preference around brake setup would you ever go to a bigger rotor at the rear so match that big 220 front rotor with a with a big rear rotor yeah yeah why not I'd like <laughs> I'm yet to discover uh a fault with having more powerful brakes you know i think i'm with you yeah i'm I, with you on that i think brakes you know if like i'm sure there is uh for new riders getting into the sport if you have like the most powerful strongest brakes ever it can probably be just as terrifying as having brakes that aren't powerful enough or don't work if you know what i mean but mm -hmm. I think for you know riders with a bit of experience, intermediate and expert level riders, I think just having the strongest, most powerful brakes that you're comfortable to ride, it just kind of boost your whole riding experience. So yeah, 220 at the back, 220 at the front, I'd be more than happy with that. Everyone's winning. Exactly. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Um, right. We've got another, uh, I suppose, spec related point coming up this one this one it's not really controversial but it maybe is controversial with a few of the product managers from the brands yeah so i mean this is a point that popped into my head recently and uh, and it's probably come down to the bikes that i've been testing recently so i mm -hmm. was riding the trek slash um the new enduro bike high pivot enduro bike from trek and the model we had features there like integrated bar and stem and I've also been testing a couple of bikes from Scott. So the new or their Genius ST and the Scott Lumen. And again, both those bikes feature an integrated bar and stem. And I just find them harsh and uncomfortable. And uh, it wasn't my, wasn't my favorite, you know, cockpit setup. And all the bikes, that, all the cockpits on the downhill bikes I tested, um, I didn't aluminium bar um direct mount stems the downhill bike i mm -hmm. double check they're all aluminium bars but i'm pretty confident they were <laughs> but, <laughs> well on that point so tom and i have obviously just finished wrapping up our head-to-head -head of the specialized epic world cup and the trek super caliber slr both of which feature integrated bars and stems and both tom and i decided that no we're still not fans of them because i guess on some brands they've been around for a little while scott have featured them for some time now um maybe it's because we're bike testers or or not i'm not sure but we definitely i think 
across the board or likes to be able to adjust things just the way we want them, which means tweaking bar roll and potentially changing. I mean, I know you can change bar height by shifting the stem up and down, but sometimes with these integrated bars and stems, it's not quite straightforward. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm definitely with you on that. Sometimes the simplest way forward, it might not look as flash or as neat, but it's a, a bike at the end of the day and, and it isn't a piece of art. It, you know, it's great that it looks nice, but it needs to be functional and you need to be comfy on it. So having the ability to adjust these things, I think personally is really important. And it sounds like you're in a similar position. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just going through the specs now, but I'm pretty sure they're all they were all alloy bars on those bikes. Um, Are there brands selling them with integrated bars and stems? I think Scott might be the only one that do it with the downhill bike, possibly. Okay, um, but you're I saying, could think please, of the but I'm just gravity bikes it. in general. Please don't do it. Like, the, like you're riding these bikes on the roughest trails that are, that exist for mountain biking, really, and and trying to mm. go as than Zandia as fast as possible and it just adds a level of comfort and control and like you say personal setup that just allows you mm. to get the most from it and I was thankful that yeah I wasn't stuck with a, a bar shape or roll um stem length or whatever angle that you couldn't be changed if you know what I mean you're just mm-hmm. and uh and I think it's uh like just the yeah the stiffness and comfort of the um aluminium bars on these bikes and how you can change them it's just better it's just better so i was i appreciated that and uh and it's not until you kind of get off that system and onto something that's maybe a bit more modern or integrated or the direction that bike brands tend to be going and you realize ah please please don't do that please can we go it has its limits yeah yeah please can we go back to uh maybe what you know let's look at the gravity focused bikes what the endure or what the downhill guys are doing and not what the cross-country guys are doing and specking them on yeah i think i think maybe on the xc bikes not so bad but both you and i rode that slash and what's funny is obviously we fit the same size bikes but we have quite a different setup and so as soon as i jumped on that and i was like okay i'm not really into these you know the, the feel of the bar and stem but knowing how much more extreme your setup would be with your bars compared to mine I did. I really did feel for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Brand manufacturers need to take into account Luke Marshall's peculiar handlebar. 1980s BMX throwback. Exactly. Setup. Yeah. 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 But, um, but no, it's a, uh, it's a interesting piece of, uh, development in the bike world that it's got pros and cons to it, but yeah, I think I'm old school and just keep it traditional. I was, I much preferred that. <laughs> Well, I suppose after that, that one sort of, I wouldn't say it's negative, but maybe that one um, panning of one particular component, let's move on to something a bit more, a bit broader and your final point. Yeah. So we touched on this earlier and, uh, and it came up about just how easy downhill bikes really are to, to ride. So, I mean, like the, I give you the head tube, um, angle on the giant is like under 63 degrees is like 62.8 degrees or something so they're super slack but you can jump on these bikes and they are so stable but not in like a, a way that's unmaneuverable if you know what i mean they're just the heavy tires the sticky tread um 
the suspension, it keeps them planted to the ground, but they still have an agility to them that you can throw them around. And because of, I guess, the, uh, the confidence that you have in them is, is you can move them wherever you want to on the trail, if you know what I mean. So, so even on slower, tighter tracks? Even on slower, tighter tracks, yeah. I find, you know, if you want to, because they're so, like, downhill tires are so grippy, uh, and the bikes are so, you know, suspension so impressive at, at keeping the wheels in contact with the ground. Even on the slower stuff, if you just want to pop up onto an outside line or to open up a corner or hug a high across some off-camber section, you can just literally point the bike where it wants to go and it would go there. And they're so nimble on the trails for their weight and their size. It's uh, it's surprisingly easy. So, like, you think, oh, a big, heavy, cumbersome downhill bike, you know, there won't be fun on slower tighter tracks or yeah more awkward trails but it's surprising what you can get away with on them like with a bit of rider input and, and not an awful lot compared to like an enduro bike um, you can absolutely pinpoint accuracy where you want to ride them if you know what I mean it doesn't have to be always at the highest speed if you know what I mean mm-hmm. some of the trails I was going to say sorry I was just going to say about about the weight you, you did touch on that how how heavy are, are downhill bikes now compared to Say your enduro bike, for example. What we're we talking in terms of difference. So I reckon there's probably a couple of kilo. Not that much in it. They're similar. So the heaviest bike I had on test was the Giant Glory Advanced, and that was 17 kilos. Um, okay. And the others were 16.6, roughly. Okay. And to put that into perspective, I just weighed the Merida that I've been testing. They said at the start of the. And that was like 17.6 kilos, closer to 18. Right. So they're about. And you're pedaling that up hills. <laughs> yeah, well, you're pedaling that up hills. So um, I think, yeah, the downhill bike weights are roughly on par with an Enduro bike within a kilo or so, maybe. So depends yeah. what Enduro bike you've got and what spec level it comes with. But yeah, so I think weight rise, they're probably on par, especially by the time you fit some tools and a water bottle and everything to your Enduro mm. bike it's going to be similar weather to like similar weight to a downhill bike. But so. despite that, that weight, the sticky tires, the, you know, um, more than anything, maybe the more stretched out geometry, you still find them just as agile, just as easy to chuck around. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think there's any real negative hindrance to it. If you're going down the blue flow trail, you can, uh, you can shrap the berms pretty much just as well as any other bike. I'm sure there is a a trade-off somewhere, but like the speeds that they can achieve like so easily and yet then Mm. they're so fun and playful really if you want them to be at lower speeds as well, if you know what I mean. It's never, I never rode the bike down there going, oh my God, this is such a chore to try and hold that line or I can't get it onto this inside line or outside line or whatever I wanted to do with the bike. It was... Mm -hmm. It surprised me how you can just jump on them and just rattle down and they will go so fast over whatever you put in front of them without any questions. And then you can slow it down, head into the tight off-piece trails and just pick your way down whatever the safest option I could find down the hill, basically. But they would get me there. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Right then. So that's, that's an interesting six different things you've kind of picked up from that where, um, where do you think there's going to be improvements next? I guess we can end on that, right? Um, 
I think it will all, well, we have a downhill bikes. I'm going to go. There's probably still suspension. Or they peak like we have. <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> I think there's always going to be slight refinements in minimizing chain influence in suspension, whether that's a, whether that's like a, a rider or oh, what's the, um, what's the word? I can't think of it. Where, how, if it exists really, you know, if does pedal kickback really exist on a downhill bike anyway, or if it's a placebo? Okay. Yeah, um, yeah. But um, but I think chain influence on downhill bikes will still be a big thing, whether that's in high pivots or virtual high pivots, or how they minimise that. There's it would be refinement of the yeah the leverage curves. Hopefully, cockpit integration doesn't come on downhill bikes. Hopefully, they <laughs> keep, hopefully, hopefully they keep that out. But yeah, suspension refinements, um, whether they bring in electronic tech that filters down from the uh, race teams down to consumer products. Yeah. But no, we'll wait and see. Um, hopefully but we're be- in a good place. Oh yeah, if you're after a downhill bike now and, uh, and you're ahead to the bike park, like you're going to have an incredible time. Like I say, and I think you should, one, you should need a license. They're so dangerously fast. <laughs> Absolutely terrifying. You can terrify yourself on them. Yeah. <laughs> Which is half the fun, but yeah, dang- yeah, fun but dangerous machines. Well, there you go. I think that that um, summarizes them perfectly. Fun but dangerous. You need a license. <laughs> yeah. There you go. There yeah. you go. Okay. So on that note, let's wrap it up. So thank you so much, Luke. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me and letting me ramble on. And thank you for listening. As always, make sure you. Um, Subscribe to the podcast. You get it delivered uh, as soon as uh, we we put them out. And um, as I mentioned at the start, if you have any comments or you want to get involved with the downhill bike debate, send us an email to podcast at biteradar.com and we'd love to hear from you. But that's us for now. So stay tuned for more coming soon. Thank you. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to the Bike Radar Podcast. If you've not done so already, please subscribe and share with your friends or leave us a rating if you've enjoyed this episode.